one. What's up, y'all? It's your man Ernest. You love Ernest, same guy, different name. Back again with another episode of the Ernest Thoughts Podcast. We have another guest here, Dedrick Moon. Did I say your last name right? Yes, sir, you did. All right. So Dedrick Moon is an author. He's the author of The Unexpected Journey, Fire and Gold. And he is the editor of The Rules of The Rules of a Big Boss, a book of self-love. So Appreciate you for coming on the show, Dedrick. Thank you for having me, brother. All right. So first question, as I ask all the guests, just introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us about what you do and, yeah, what brings you on here? Um, well, it depends on what time frame you're talking about. If you're talking about between hours of, you know, seven and five, I'm a uh, contracts manager. Um, if you're talking about after hours, I um, the hat that I wear that's the most important is, is being a dad. Yeah. So I wear that hat 24 hours a day, even though I said after five, but it just becomes more prevalent after five. But, um, you know, over and beyond all of that, as you said, I'm, a, uh, I'm an author, I'm an editor, I'm a small business owner. Um, my daughter and I have a company that we um, are 50 50 partners in. Nice. The only downside to it is that she takes all of the profit. I receive nothing. Uh, the deal is that, you know, as she gets older and, and receives more success or whatever, I said, you know, if your business is successful and you're operating in a profit, a uh, great profit margin, yeah. you can buy. If you're just, you know, um, meeting the road, uh, you know, with no uh, big return on investment, I will let you basically, I will opt out and I will gift it to you. Um, so that business is called the, uh, the Rules of a Big Boss, uh, the Rules of a Big Boss LLC. Um, I'm also a fellow uh, podcaster like yourself, except I'm not the primary host, I'm a co-host. I'm a vlogger, I'm a blogger. My daughter and I have a YouTube channel that we manage together. Um, and we talk about, you know, positive content as it relates to her book and her messaging and whatever about self-love and things of that nature. Uh, so having said all that, I'm a person that wears a lot of hats. Just tell me which hat you need me to wear at the moment and I'll put it on. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, I just have questions. Um, I wrote down questions primarily about like your author journey and okay. just your book, but definitely feel free to talk about anything else um, as well. So as far as just with your book, um, once again, um, Un Unexpected Journey, Fire and Gold, could you describe that to the audience and what's that about? Um, I'm not away too much, of course. <laughs> let me read it. And I'll <laughs> <be> a, <laughs> then I'll go beyond that. And I'll give the... Uh, I'll give the uh, the layman's terms or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, this is the journey of a single father who risked it all to protect and provide for his daughter. Daughter, Follow along and learn how he survived brokenness, criminal prosecution, discrimination, reprisal, and unemployment to ultimately come out gold. Also, read along and find out how President Obama got it and the U.S. Department of Education got involved in the story. Yeah. So long story short, um, my daughter, when she was seven years old, we were li uh, living in our county and she endured an extreme degree of bullying um, at that age that you wouldn't believe um, unless you were actually dared to see it. And, you know, a lot of most people have been bullied at different points in their lives. You know, our skin complexion, you know, our looks, uh, 
thighs, things of that nature. Everybody's going through that at some point or the other, whether they choose to admit it or not. But my daughter's bullying went much beyond that because it included uh, sexual assault, physical assault, attempted murder, and uh, things of that nature. And also the spreading of perverse rumors when she was only um, seven years old. And, you know, the school board, um, the school board, the school administrators and everything knew about what was going on with her, but unfortunately they didn't care. Um, they didn't care because, you know, um, I believe that racism played a part in it. Um, the other factors which were known were that, you know, we lived in an affluent county um, in Maryland. Uh, Howard County is routinely ranked as the best school system in the state of Maryland. And it also is ranked as one of the more affluent counties. The population, there's a very small uh, minority pop population within that county. So I believe that, you know, taking all of those factors into consideration played a role in why the school administrators did little to nothing. Um, things reached ahead when I went up to, you know, to the police, the um, uh, to the police, the uh, social services and things of that nature. Again, they did nothing. And I ended up having to escalate things all the way up to President Obama. And it wasn't until I reached out to the White House, President Obama and Congress that we got some action and my daughter was able to get some relief with respect to the things that she was going through. So, you know, this whole experience and this whole ordeal created a lot of issues with respect to self-esteem for my daughter and whatnot um, when she was dead at that tender age or whatever. Um, you know, she was suicidal. She had agoraphobia. Uh, she had uh, school phobia and things of that nature. And I mean, she was just in a really bad way. And, you know, ultimately I did what a lot of black people don't do is I put her in therapy and, you know, put her in therapy so that she could deal with her issues and talk to someone because, you know, I didn't have any answers to, to the things that she was going through, whatever. I could only help her so much. And I couldn't understand but so much, particularly given that I'm a dad raising a daughter. Um, so I was like, I can't identify with all of your feelings. I can only do my best. So anyway, moving along, um, you know, um, over this, in May of last year, you know, we were all stuck in the house with COVID or whatever. And she decides that she doesn't want to be that person anymore. And she decides that she wants to basically write in a journal and in writing in that journal, she's going to express her feelings, you know, talk about a lot of what she's going through and, um, you know, talk about, you know, the ways that she, the things that she's done to counteract those feelings of low self-esteem and lack of self-love mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So she starts writing in that journal and she brings it to me and shows it to me. And when she shows it to me, I said, wow, I was amazed by the different things that she wrote. And I said, you know, Haley, this isn't something that you should keep within yourself and within your circle of friends. You should actually share this with the world. And I asked her, did she want to publish? She said that she did. And I said, okay, well, I will figure out, you know, how to go about publishing a book. And, you know, we will share it with the world. And I told her, you know, it's just too good. I told her to set a goal and, you know, how many books did she thought she'd sell. And she said that she wanted to sell like 10. I laughed and I said, oh, no, you're going to sell much more than 10. This book is really too good. So anyway, to read the prologue from that book, it says, 
This is a captivating story of a rising seventh grader who has overcome. She has experienced anxieties, depression, and betrayal in her early life. She did not allow it to become her. She found her inner lioness and rose up instead. So that's the prologue for that book or whatever. And it takes you through a journey of, you know, dealing with self-esteem, you know, uh, I, it talks about, you know, uh, what is it called? Um, stigmas uh, regarding like your skin tone and complexion. Um, colorism. Uh, yeah, colorism. Thank you. I lost my train of thought for a second. No, it talks about that. It talks about a litany of different things. And it's actually written for the group of, for, not only for young women like herself, but it's written for adult women too. So anyway, uh, we released that book on June the 25th, 2020, and the book was receiving positive reviews, um, you know, from, uh, from grandmothers, aunties, mothers, children, and everyone. My daughter came to me in September, said that she wanted to start a clothing line, and I said, you know, um, at some point in the future, and I said, why not now? You know, create a clothing line that's based off of your book. You can use your clothing and accessory line to promote the book and vice versa. She said, okay. So in on November, sorry, in September, um, her company became official, the rules of a big boss LLC. Okay. So fast forward to November. In November, or I'm sorry, not November, in October, people started saying, you know, they wanted to hear the rest of the story or whatever, you know, with uh, respect to what my daughter dealt with, because we left a lot of things out and they wanted to hear my side of things, um, you know, what the effects of what she went through had on me and whatnot. And I said, you know, I'm not ready to tell that story yet. That's something that I'm going to say for a later date. And, you know, I said I was going to do a autobiography and I was planning on doing an autobiography for my daughter. And in doing that autobiography, my plan was to show, you know, that Black men do love their kids and they do care. And, you know, and I really wanted to tell that story because, you know, as I do, Ernest, we hear Black women and women every day complain about being single mothers and the father not being there and this, that, and the third. Yep. Well, here I am. So my story is I am a kid whose father abandoned them never even bought me so much as a pack of diapers, okay? I dealt with low self-esteem and, you know, a lack of self-love as a young adult, I mean, as a young child, as a young adult, and as an adult too. Mm -hmm. But I progressed beyond that largely by going to therapy, and I learned how to love myself. And here I am now, I am a single father. So I'm raising my daughter by myself, and I've been raising her by myself for 11 years now, okay? So, Having said all that, you know, I was told that, you know, I was going to be a failure and, you know, so many other things. So much death was spoken in my life because I didn't have a father involved in my life. My mom never complained. She just did what she needed to do. And my mom worked three jobs to make sure that I had everything I needed and most of what I wanted. So I was raised by my mom and grandma. So it was funny because my grandma was the ever-present person that was there. My mom was the person that wasn't there, more or less. And the way it worked was with my mom always being at work, it had to leave somebody to raise me. So that was my grandmother. So my grandma ended up more or less serving in the mother role. And my mom ended up serving in the dad role. But I basically had the blessing of having two mothers. And like I said, here I am now being a single father. So, you know, I was planning on writing that book with my daughter, you know, as she got older. And I was like, you know, there are a lot of things in that story that I didn't want to share with her yet because she's only 13. 
was like, you know, when you're 22, eight, between ages 18 to 22, I believe that would be the perfect time to tell you your daddy's whole truth. And then we can sit down, we can write that book together. And it's not going to be your my book. It's going to be your book. But me giving you the stories, and you write it. And, you know, you will be writing my masterpiece for me. And it will be like how King David gave King Solomon the blueprints for the temple. King David couldn't build the temple because God didn't want him to. He wanted them to pass it on. So he passed it on uh, to Solomon. So that was my plan. But opportunity wouldn't allow me to do that because people kept pushing to want to hear the story. Um, one of your former guests, Genesis, uh, yeah, main people that was pushing me to share the story. And she was pushing me to share the story because she knew what happened, um, her being a personal friend of mine. And she's like, Did you can't hold on to it. You have to share it. My mom was pushing me to share the story too. And they said, you know, you don't have to share the whole thing. Just do, instead of doing the um, autobiography, do a memoir. So if a memoir, you know, focus on a certain period, keep it focused towards that certain period and you can do the autobiography later. Okay, I, okay fine. After three people told me, I said, okay, fine. I will sit down with Haley and I will see if this is what she wants to do. So I sat down with her. I told her my idea and I said, you know, we can actually write, you know, a book together before the book that I was planning. And I asked her, what did she think? She said, yeah, let's do it. So we started writing in November and we published in um, February. And, you know, as far as the writing process, it was hard because I had to pull, open up a lot of old wounds. I had to remember things that I, you know, forgotten and blocked out. And there were a lot of tears. Uh, there were a lot of tears. There was a lot of anxiety and everything. Because in doing it, I was like, you know, I have to expose myself. I have to expose my daughter. And I'm exposing all of our brokenness and trials and tribulations. And I'm not holding anything back. I'm throwing out all punches for respect to what we've gone through. And these things that I'm sharing are things that I've never shared with really anyone. Um, the amount of people that actually knew the story, really, I could count on one hand the amount of people that really knew what was in everything that I wrote in that book. And I was like, and now I have to open myself up and tell the world. And I was like, you know, I'm not ready. I don't know if I'm ready for this. So that was, like I said, a lot of uh, sleep, a lot of um, tears. Uh, there were sleepless nights. And, you know, as far as the sleepless nights, um, I was like, you know, I'll start writing a chapter or I would start writing, you know, a sub chapter or whatever. And I would find myself, I would be sleeping and my brain would still be processing. And I'm like, man, I got to get this out. I got to get this out. So I would find myself tossing the chair. I'm like, oh man, forget it. Let me just grab the laptop and let me just type some more. So I would type some more and I was like, if I get it out of my head, I will be able to sleep. And I would find myself in my sleep. I was like, okay, I finished chapter two. Uh, and now I'm starting to plan in my head, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five. So I saw the vision and everything. So I was like, you know, I have to hurry up and finish this book because uh, I will not be able to get any rest until I finish it because my mind is processing the book in my head and how to write it and whatnot. So, you know, once I finally finished it and turned my manuscript over to my editor, it was a sense of relief because like, finally, it, finally I can sleep um, or return to a state of sleep 
Uh, so, you know, that was the right of journey. <laughs> like I said, long story. But... Oh, good. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it was great that you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of stuff. First, uh, the therapy aspect, that sparked a question. Um, but I just want to give, before I even ask that question, I want to give props to your daughter for being so young and so wise, especially taking up uh, journaling during the pandemic. Um, journaling is something I've, the audience knows, I've, I've championed journaling on this podcast many times before, therapy as well, uh, but you never know people's financial situations, not everyone has health care, so I, I take, I, I always suggest journaling, so I'm glad that she took that route, as well as the therapy working. Um, with that question, um, do you think that, and you, you did mention before, us Black folks, we just, us in therapy, we don't really you know, unfortunately, we don't really have a, a a great relationship with that. So for anybody who is still, I guess, doubtful about it, um, do you believe that reading your daughter's book, reading your memoir when that comes out, and autobiography when that comes out, by the way, uh, we'll have all this, well, what's out right now, we'll have all that in the description box below. Do you think reading these stories in general would uh, help those and inspire those to seek help in their uh, journey as well? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, you know, I am a very strong proponent of therapy. And, you know, and I'll be, now uh, say why. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have debilitating disabilities. So I suffer from um, agoraphobia, anxiety disorder. Um, major depression disorder and, you know, major depression disorder used to be uh, called clinical depression and um, so on and so forth. Uh, so one of the things I was first diagnosed with these things in 2014 and, you know, I didn't always have these disabilities or whatever. They were bought upon me through the traumatic experiences. And some of those traumatic experiences were what my daughter was going through. It almost broke me to see my daughter yeah. in such a fragile state. You know, I've only been given, you know, two gifts in life. Uh, one gift is my salvation, Christ dying for me on the cross. And the second one is my daughter, you know. Um, only have her as my one child and she's my gift that I love and behold. And I was like, yeah, I was so afraid day in and day out of losing her. And I was like, you know, if it was one thing that God would allow to be taken away from me, it was like, please don't let my daughter be it. Take anything else, but not my kid. And, you know, the fear every day of, you know, of her being killed by her assailant and, you know, just to back up for a moment, her cellular was only six years old. And, you know, she wrote doing all of this to a seven-year-old, and it was another girl. Yeah. It's unfathomable. It's beyond my imagination. If I read it in the book, I would say, you're lying. There's no way. Um, but anyway, like I said, that, that fear and everything, you know, pushed me um, towards brokenness or whatever. So um, my physician, my PCP prescribed medication, and, you know, but he also recommended that I get, that I seek therapy. Yeah. And so I went to that therapist in 2014. She said, you know, medication is addictive and, you know, uh, medication is addictive and it really doesn't truly help you the way that you need to be helped. Yeah. You know, what you really need to do is you need to focus on your mind and your spirit. The battle for your mind 
is not through medication. It's in your mind, it's in your spirit. So I am gonna teach you how to deal with these conditions that you have beyond your medication. So she said this, now, having said that, you cannot stop taking your medication. You are gonna to have to take the medication for the rest of your life, but you are not going to be dependent on that medication because um, I'm going to teach you how to tackle these things on a day-to-day -day basis. We're gonna transform your mind. And she said, you know, um, with your medication, if you stop taking it, you're gonna have a setback. So you can miss a day or two or three or whatever, no biggie. But if you miss it, like, you know, let's say 15 days, 30 days or whatever, you're gonna have a problem. It's gonna be a setback. But your setback is not gonna be as extreme as it would for someone else because we are dealing with it and dealing with the issues that I'm gonna teach you tools and tricks beyond medication. So I said, okay. So anyway, having said all that, I go from this person that has low self-esteem and, um, and seeing the glasses half empty to someone that sees the glass half full. I go for someone who has low self-esteem to someone who has supreme self-esteem. I go for someone who is, you know, more or less a Debbie Downer to someone who's completely jovial. And of course I have my, um, my down peers and things of that nature, but you know, therapy transformed me as a person and it helped me. So I was like, so now when I see rain, I'm like, <laughs> no biggie. Or I see a storm, no biggie. You know why? because rainbows follow rain and storm. When I'm in periods of darkness, again, no biggie, because sunlight follows, uh, sunlight always follows darkness. So I developed a positive mindset and everything through therapy and it transformed me as a person. Because of therapy, I'm able to tell these stories, I'm able to motivate other people and I'm able to expose myself and say, hey, I'm as broken as the next person. But the difference me, you, you, him, him, and him, and her, is that I acknowledged it, I deal with it, and I deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'm an advocate for getting therapy and seeking help. No to medication, but saying no to medication doesn't mean that I don't take it, but I'm saying you should value therapy is sitting and talking with someone and talking over your problems more than you should value education. You shouldn't be talking to mom. You shouldn't be talking to dad. You shouldn't be talking to your brother because they don't have the skills to teach you how to deal with whatever you've gone through. When you've gone through something traumatic, the worst thing to do is to try and say, hey, you know, time will heal. No, it doesn't. Medication will heal. No, it doesn't. Talking to friends and family, it helps a little bit, but you really have to sit down with someone who is a trained clinician to help you work through those issues and everything. And also, you know, and you know, do the homework that they give you, whether it be journaling, whether it be coloring, whether it be painting, whether it be exercise or whatever, you know, do those things. And you know, and the other issue that comes into play is like lack of insurance, people that don't identify with us and everything. Well, my therapist is a black woman. Mm -hmm. And only is my therapist a black woman, but my therapist and I share the same birthday, just 20 years apart. And she's like an auntie to me. Uh, you know, she's very much family. So I have a great relationship with my therapist. So yeah, it is very, it is difficult to find, you know, therapists that identify with you and everything, but you can find them if you're willing to put in the work and really, and not give up after you've looked for three. If you look for three and can't find the black one, look for 20, look at 10. If you can't find one within that first 10, look at 15, look at 20. If you have a bad experience with one, 
go to the next one or whatever. Keep trying until you find that person because at the end of the day, you're only hurting yourself if you don't sit down and talk to someone. So in our books, both books, we talk about you know the value of therapy and we offer insight and advice and everything. But we say, we are not trained nor licensed therapists. So you know we can help, but we can only get you, bes- we can help and we're helping with these books. Yeah. But re- our books and listening to us will only get you but so far you have to be willing to go beyond what we offer exactly. and go sit down with someone and talk with a trained professional um so i appreciate that i appreciate you sharing all that personal information as well definitely yeah it's great to hear it from someone else i say it, and i know the listeners that those who listen on a weekly basis they know they're probably like oh it's Ernest, he's saying the same thing. So it's like, well, it's not just me saying it. We have Dietrich here saying it, and there's others saying it as well. So I appreciate that. Let's switch gears a bit. Let's talk about podcasting. So you mentioned before we did, when we were talking off air, basically, uh, about your podcast. Could you talk about it? You can share the same thing you were saying before in the podcast that you co-host. Yeah, we have a podcast called uh, Talk Truth Series. Um, Talk Truth Series is multifaceted in that, you know, um, it speaks to, it caters to both women and men. So the premise of the podcast is to give, you know, um, authors, small business owners, to give authors and small business owners to have a story to share, a place and a path platform to be heard Mm -hmm. so on Tuesdays we host authors on Thursdays we you know that's generally speaking ladies night it's flexible it could be I'm sorry Tuesdays are flexible it could be for men or women and you know it's generally reserved for authors Thursdays are ladies nights and Saturdays are reserved for men and we broadcast uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 8.30 Eastern time. And we bring them on. It's like, hey, if you have a burning testimony and a story to share, you know, share them with us, you know, in our inbox, you know, let's talk, let's talk, let's chat, like how you and I did. Right. And then you take a look, take a look at some of the podcasts or whatever and see if you like it and if you think it's a fit. If you think it's a fit and you want to come on, please come on and share your story and share your testimony with the world. And, you know, it gives you a broader audience. It gives you a larger platform or it helps you establish a platform where you didn't have one uh, previously. So we record through uh, StreamYard and um, we broadcast to uh, through Facebook and uh, YouTube. So it's called Talk Truth Series. Um, I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast. Uh, the host is actually Shanique Davis. Uh, Shanique Davis is actually the editor of my book, my and my daughter's book, The Unexpected Journey, Fire and Gold. So she's very much a business partner. I mean, you know, I really could not have written a book, you know, were it not for her, you know, helping ed- helping me edit and helping me push those pain points and the struggle points where I had, where I was just too emotionally drained. And I definitely would not have written a book, you know, had Genesis not been pushing me. Genesis Amar's previous guests been mm-hmm. pushed to uh, write and tell the story. So, yeah, Talk Truth series is, uh, you know, Christian-based or whatever. Um, but it's all about motivation and giving stories. Sorry, giving voices to those that have inspirational stories. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thank- so I'll have that in the description box below. People check that out. Anything else you would like to get into? I'm all set with the questions, but definitely anything else you would love to get into? The floor is yours, my man. Um, you know, one other thing that I would like to get into is one of the biggest things 
you know, the or the, the takeaway from our book is, you know, yeah. fire has two purposes. Uh, and which pur which purpose it serves is based off of you. And, you know, this is in the book, but I was like, you know, we go beyond the book and talk about it. Right. Fire is cooks. Sorry, I shouldn't say two purposes. It has three. Fire is used to cook. It's used to burn. And it can also be used as light. The stories, the struggles that my daughter and I went through, we thought that it was set to burn us. And we thought that it was set to cook us. And, you know, that's how I felt at the time. And I wondered for, quite often, where are we going to make it through? And, you know, I had our doubts whether or not we were going to make it through or whatever. But now that we're on the other end, we've come out of the furnace like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And coming out of the fire furnace like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, it was like we found out that we weren't burned at all. We were just a little bit, we were just a little bit bruised and battered, but we are perfectly fine. That fire that God used and allowed to happen to us became our light because it lit a path. Of, I'm sorry, it lit an aura around us saying, This is what these people have endured. Mm -hmm. And they survived. And because uh, they survived a journey like this, you can survive anything that you go through too your fiery trials and tribulations and so on and so forth. You have to hold on to God's unchanging hand and you have to let Him bring you through. And if you hold on to God's unchanging hand and let him bring you through, you will find that that fire is your light. And the way it becomes your light is because your testimony helps other people. And that's what we're doing right now is we're helping other people through our testimonies and the stories of our trials and tribulations and so on and so forth. So that's the light. And the light brings other people to, um, you know, brings helps bring other people to victory or whatever. But if you let go and you don't hold on to God's unchanging hand, you will be burned. And, you know, to just, uh, you know, take it back to the Bible, or whatever, uh, when Jesus was walking on water, he called, uh, never can remember if it's Peter or Paul, I think it was Peter. Yeah. He called Peter off of the boat and told Peter, you know, stand here or whatever. And he was walking with him on water. But when Peter looked down and realized he was walking on water, he just, he began to sink and he cried out to God and asked God to save him. God reached down into the water and he pulled him back out up and he said, oh yeah, little faith. And he basically told him, had you continued to keep your eyes focused on me and trust in me, you would have continued to walk on the water. But because you lacked faith and you looked down, you began to sink. That's the message of the fire. If you start to focus on the fire and lose sight of God, you will be burned or you will sink. But if you keep your eyes focused on God, he will bring you through it. And when he brings you through it, there will be something beautiful on the end, in the end. And that end is why we chose the subtitle that we did, Fire and Gold. What he brings you through is going to be so much better. So God let us be in a fire so that he could purify us. He bought us out gold. And the goal is what we're doing right now is with me sitting here talking to you, advocating for, you know, counseling, therapy, and things of that nature. So in everything, in every trial and tribulation you're going through, always trust in God. And if you don't believe in God, you know, whether it be Allah, Buddha, or whomever, yeah. trust in some higher power to lead you through whatever you're going through. Definitely. De definitely came out gold. Definitely shared a lot of gold gems here. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Appreciate Genesis. Shout out to Genesis if you listen to this episode right now. Would love to have you back on. But yeah, 
I thank you for coming on once again. I'll have everything in the description box below. Where can people find you on social media? I'll have that all in the description box below as well. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> or just contact you in general. Any contact information you'd like to share? It is hard. It's hard to answer because <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> the easiest way that'll give you the breadcrumb is by going to my daughter's website. Her website is www.thebookofselflove.com. Mm -hmm. It will give you the linkages to how to contact her all over social media. She's on um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, and Amazon, as far as you know, people to follow. Mm -hmm. The links to that are right there on her website. Again, www.thebookofselflove.com. Mm -hmm. As for me, I am not on the, uh, I do not list my social media handles on the website intentionally because she's the star of the family. I'm just a co-star. Um, the easiest way to find me is just look dmoon78. So D-M-O-O-N-E is an echo, 78. You can find me on uh, Facebook. You can find my author page on Facebook using that handle. You can also find me on um, Instagram using that handle. Mm -hmm. uh, find me on Clubhouse. Uh, Clubhouse is just dmoon. Uh, it wouldn't let me take the 78. They would be in me. Somebody stabbed <laughs> I think they found out, oh, this is trending. So it's like, let me get it and they can buy it from it. I was like, nah, I'll just go to right. the <laughs> <laughs> And you can also find me on YouTube too. Uh, my daughter and I share the same YouTube handle or whatever. But, you know, as far as finding her, um, it's very easy. Just go onto the website, www.bookofselflove. But as for me, uh, Clubhouse, D-Moon, uh, Instagram, D-Moon78, and Facebook, D-Moon78. And Amazon, I think it's D-Moon78, too. Don't quote me on that. But <laughs> if you, uh, you'll find the bread. Yeah, the bread. <laughs> right. I'll find all that. I'll put it all in the description box below. Don't worry about it. That's my, that, that's my job, so I got it. Appreciate you. <laughs> Appreciate you for coming on, man. I'd love to have you on. Once again, y'all check this brother out. Check out his daughter as well. Check out what they're doing. Please, please, please. And uh, yeah, man, I, I, I really appreciate it. So this I has been another, it. no problem. This has been another episode of the Ernest Thoughts Podcast with your host, Ernest. So you love Ernest. And until next time, until next episode, you hear from me when you hear from me. Check out our guest. Peace out. Peace out. Many blessings, brother. Many blessings to you, man.